We are live. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to start it that way. We are back with a Slapshot Sammy podcast, and I am recording tonight from my apartment in Nashville. It is 9 p.m. on Friday, May 7th. The reason I'm recording on a Friday night is because I wanted to get a better picture on where things would stand for the Dallas Stars and so many other playoff situations that are going on. I am happy to report that just moments ago, the Dallas Stars tied off a beautiful little win over the Tampa Bay Lightning 5-2 in Tampa, uh, their first win in Tampa this season. And although they beat them once this year, it feels like their first win since uh, the overtime winner, the double overtime winner with Corey Perry in the Stanley Cup final as Tampa has just annihilated them this season um, after beating them in the Stanley Cup final. But the biggest thing about that, not only do they beat the Lightning, but they are also still alive in the playoff race as they needed one point tonight to stay alive. They are now two points behind Nashville. Uh, Nashville will play tomorrow and Monday against the Carolina Hurricanes, who just clinched first, so not the best for the Stars as they're not playing for a whole lot besides maybe the President's Trophy. But uh, Dallas is two points behind Nashville uh, with two games left. Nashville, two games left as well. So games in hand are done. And Dallas will play Chicago Sunday and Monday in a back-to-back to decide their fate. Uh, pretty simple math here now. Nashville cannot get more than one point in their final two games. If they do, Dallas will be eliminated. If Nashville gets zero points, Dallas needs to get three points as they are down by two and do not have any of the tiebreakers in the, in the playoff race. Same thing goes if Nashville gets one point in their final two games, Dallas will need to win both games against Chicago and get four points to, to take over that spot. Dallas is a, they are an interesting team, man. They, when they play well uh, and they have their guys back from injury as they do right now, they are a hard team to play against. And if they are able to pull off this mini miracle and make the playoffs and get a couple days off to rest because they'll play Monday um, and I'm assuming the playoffs won't start until at least the end, towards the end of the week, because the Canucks are playing all the way up until Friday uh, to make up for their games. So I would assume the playoffs would probably maybe start Thursday or Saturday. So they'll get a couple days, if not three or four days, off to rest and come back with a full healthy, uh, full healthy in quotes, but a mostly healthy lineup. Um, Hints with a couple days to rest, Sagan with a couple days to rest, all the guys nursing injuries with a couple days off. They are not an easy team to knock out. So look out, Carolina. If Dallas makes it, they are going to be a tough test. But still alive. Uh, Every Stars fan will be watching the scores tomorrow as Nashville takes on Carolina, hoping for the the help from Carolina that Dallas just gave to Carolina tonight. Carolina clinched the first seed because Dallas beat Tampa in regulation. So maybe return the favor and beat Nashville in regulation twice. Um, anyway, for the Stars, we, we spoke a little bit about it, and we've, we've kind of known it was coming all season long with this, this end, season-ending road trip because of all the delays and cancellations and postponements of games early on. Dallas was stuffed into a ridiculously compact schedule, but also was put into a spot where they were going to have to play their last seven straight on the road. And for Dallas, it could not have started off worse as they – Went 0-5, um, lost in overtime two of those games, but still 
five losses uh, when when it mattered most. Just one of those go, being a win or just one more of those going to overtime, and this is a lot closer of a playoff race. So it was looking really tough for them. Um, they look like they're running out of gas, and de- deservedly so as they are just running on fumes with how much they've been playing. Uh, I don't know the remember the exact number, but it was something like 36 games in 70 days or something crazy um, essentially every other day. Um, so they were playing four games and six nights almost every week, and they are getting now to the end of it. Uh, they are mo- as healthy as they've been all season. Sagan came back and scored two goals uh, in his first two games, which was awesome to see, playing a lot more minutes than they expected, so he's obviously feeling good. Uh, Hints has played nine, I think maybe now ten straight, um, which is the most he's played uh, all season straight with his nagging injury. Gurionov is back. He's dealing with an upper body injury, and he's playing. So uh, we will see. And Anton Hudobin wasn't playing as well, but played well tonight. Wasn't tested a whole lot. So Dallas is in a decent spot. Um, they do need help, but they are in a decent spot uh, on their road trip. Speaking of Dallas, though, uh, before we jump into the rest of the playoff picture, I want to get sentimental here for a minute because sitting here right now, um, I got the the lights turned green for the Stars game and it's dark out and it's quiet and most people around me are probably mad that I'm yelling into this microphone at 9 o'clock at night on a Friday. But the the weird thing about it is that it reminds me and right, brings me right back to when I was younger. And uh, so I want to talk about some Stars, my favorite Stars moments um, for me specifically, not for you know, not not in terms of the game itself, but just for for moments that I remember that stand out so much to me. So the first one that I want to talk about is my first ever Dallas Stars game. Uh, I want to say it was my first first of five, maybe somewhere in the first five uh, hockey games in general. And in in 2000, my dad took me to the Stanley Cup Final, the New Jersey Devils against the Dallas Stars. Uh, I believe it was Game One of that Stanley Cup Final. And um, I don't remember specifically because I was only eight at the time, but I believe that the reason that I rooted for the Stars was just to be the person who wasn't rooting for the home team, Um, which cracks me up because that's just kind of person that I was as as a bratty little kid. um, Everybody wants the Devils to win. So, okay, I'll root against my dad. Um, And that's, you know, what turned into me being a fan of teams all over the country uh, and none of them from my hometown. But Going to that game was such an awesome time. Uh, getting to see the a Stanley Cup final game in general as at that young of age just grew my love for hockey so much more. Uh, you could see players like Belfour and Madonna and those guys out there, and um, that was a really special moment. So I thank my dad for bringing me to that one. I just just found that ticket uh, in my you know scrapbook the other day, uh, so that was a very cool moment. And another one that that you know jump forward a few years here. Um, and in eighth grade, maybe ninth grade, and uh, hockey was tough to watch back then. This is 2008, 2009. Hockey was tough to watch in the sense of you couldn't get uh, games as easily. You know, it wasn't like now where you pay $12.99 a month or whatever it is, and you get every game across the league. If you wanted that, I think the only thing was DirecTV Center Ice. You couldn't get it on any other platform. So unless you had DirecTV, you couldn't get Center Ice. You couldn't watch games. So... Um, what I would do is whenever there weren't games on, on national TV, which it's Dallas, there were never games on national TV. Uh, luckily back then versus was, was a channel. So they played a little more hockey on there, uh, than they do now on, on quote unquote national television. But 
I would pull up my chair. So the Stars are in the Pacific Division back then. So they're playing Arizona, or Phoenix at the time. They're playing San Jose, L.A., Anaheim, all those Western teams for the most part. And I would pull up a chair. Uh, my mom had this big, comfortable chair over in her in her little air reading corner of the kitchen area. Uh, but she had her computer. And so I would pull this chair, scratch her floor up. She would yell at me every morning for it because I couldn't pick the chair up myself because it was one of those big lounge chairs. I would drag it across the kitchen floor, set it up in front of the computer, hit that keyboard, turn on NHL radio, and I would listen to these Stars games. Keep in mind, I was living in New Jersey at the time, and like I said, they were in the Pacific. So these games started at 10 or 10.30 Eastern time. So there's me at, you know, whatever are you are, 14, 13 years old, sitting in front of this computer at 12.30 to 1.30 a.m. by the time the game ends, listening to these Stars games. Also back then, they didn't always have the visiting radio. So I wasn't even able to listen to Razor and the people that I wanted to hear, you know, Ralph Strangis and the great Stars announcers of the past. I had to listen to other teams' announcers most of the time. And not to put anything against other teams' announcers, but there's some teams that are very hard to tell what is happening in the game because they are so pro their team. So one of them, Philadelphia was one of the teams that I know that the the announcer that was at that time, if the other team scored, which was Dallas, they weren't, they wouldn't make noise. They would say, and a pass and, and he scores. And it would sound like nothing happened. You know, I'm not saying to go celebrate and shoot confetti everywhere, but you're announcing a game for people they that aren't watching it they're on the radio so you need to you know let people know what's going on i would take me another 10 15 seconds to realize until they started going through the replay that the stars actually scored a goal so not only am i sitting there late at night falling asleep in this chair but i'm not even able to get excited because i don't even know what's happening some of the times because of these announcers um and then you get you know the very pro announcer you just don't want to if you're a fan of a team especially a big fan you don't want to listen to the other team talk about their team uh while they're playing the stars so um that was a you know i would call it a tough moment because i wasn't able to watch the games or enjoy them as much but i also loved it and i think it made me love hockey even more um and prove to myself that i loved hockey more than i thought um, that takes a lot of of love for the game to sit there and and do that. And um, you know, I don't. There's not a lot of things in this world that I would sit here and listen to on the radio, um, besides the Stars game. And um, that was a really fun time. And going back to that as well, another one, um, like I mentioned, Versus was the channel, the big channel back then, and uh, the playoffs were on those channels as well. 2008, the Dallas Stars are in the. Um, second round of the playoffs um, playing San Jose and it's game six. Dallas is up three games to two in Dallas. That game went to four overtimes. I'm sure any Dallas Stars fan remembers this one. Four overtimes. Uh, I believe it was maybe 2.30 a.m. at the time. So I stood standing in front of my TV because trying not to fall asleep. I thought if I sat back on the couch, I would fall asleep during the game. So I'm standing inches away from this TV watching this game, um, trying not to be loud because my family's all sleeping in the house. And during the intermissions of the overtimes, which are full intermissions, as we know, I'd go sit down, I'd turn on a little timer uh, for eight, uh, 17 minutes, and I'd take a nap, <laughs> or I'd at least close my eyes. 
stand back up, stand as close as I can to the TV. The worst blue light thing you can do before bed, possibly. Um, but I remember that game so well. Uh, Brandon Morrow with his massive hit right before overtime. Uh, some incredible saves by both goalies, Nabokov and Turco. Uh, and then Brendan Morrow on the power play tips it in front and puts the Stars in the Western Conference Final. And it was just one of my favorite moments in general in hockey in my entire life. Um, you know, and, and I remember it every day uh, what, as one of my favorite, especially one of my favorite playoff moments. Um, and then speaking of the playoffs, um, last year's bubble, last thing I want to say here before we jump forward, but the bubble last year, it, it was so, so underestimated how hard it was for them to pull off what they did as the NHL last year with everything going on. The fact that we got a full Stanley cup playoffs, um, even more so than a full Stanley cup playoffs and crowned a Stanley cup champion. And it was as well played and well done as it was, um, was just incredible. And going into this season, we needed that same, we am saying we, the NHL needed that same type of determination to get a season a successful season. And I, I know we're not there yet. We're just getting to the playoffs, but they've, they have gone through hell to make this season happen as far as before the season. And then dealing with all of these postponements and um, issues throughout the season. And I just want to say that for me and every fan I, I bet out there, we are so, so thankful that that was able to happen because I cannot imagine if they just pulled the plug and we didn't have hockey the last year. You know, getting through this whole COVID situation, I know that for me specifically as a Stars fan, watching that run last year through the bubble helped me through every day. And it was a lot harder once that playoff was over and it was just the the fall and winter uh, without hockey. But if they had just not done it last year when it stopped in March and just pulled the plug, even if they made it all the way to this season, that would be really tough for hockey fans, hockey players, and everyone around the game. And um, college hockey's doing it. They were able to get a season and a champion. Um, most leagues are able to play this season. And I just am very thankful and very, very uh, grateful that that was able to happen. And the fact that we're going to get another Stanley Cup playoffs, a little more regular Stanley Cup playoffs this year. Um, and then going into next season, hopefully it will be full, full arenas, full travel back to the old divisions and everything like that. So, um, just very grateful tonight as I'm, as I'm sitting here watching a stars game in, in May, you know, as we get towards hopefully the end of this COVID situation, but all right, enough about the Dallas stars. Uh, we will move on now. Let's talk, uh, current playoffs. So most of the playoff races in terms of the teams that are going to make it are, are pretty set, um, the West, we have Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota, and St. Louis pretty much locked in. Arizona is still, I think, mathematically in it, but they've played three more games than St. Louis and are still six points out. So um, I'm not good at math, and they don't mark on the NHL website when you're eliminated. So I'm, But either way, they're out. They're not going to make it. So Vegas uh, is four points up on Colorado. Colorado still has five games left because they had some delays. Vegas with, with four games left. Uh, Minnesota kind of sneaking up on everybody here. They're only one point behind Colorado. And then St. Louis is a big gap. 56 points is uh, almost 20 points behind the first place team. So it looks like St. Louis will definitely be the four. Um, Vegas is in a good spot to be the the one, but I'm sure that Colorado and Minnesota will have something to say about it. And then, um, you know, those matchups there, it's, it's similar to the Central where there's such powerhouses in the West 
Um, whoever doesn't get first, let's say Vegas does clinch that first spot. Colorado, Minnesota is a heck of a lot harder of a matchup than Vegas, St. Louis. So it's a really big race there. Um, that's the current matchups we have right now with Colorado holding down the second spot as well. Uh, we jump to the East Pittsburgh just flew. Um, they were better than everyone thought they were going to be this whole season, but then the the last, I mean, they're eight, two and in the last 10, um, they've just absolutely blown away the competition lately, uh, driving all the way up from fighting for that fourth spot to now in the first seed in the, in the East. Um, Washington does have a couple games in hand as well as, as the teams below them, but, uh, Pittsburgh's in the one right now. So Pittsburgh, as of right now, would play the New York Islanders, who have clinched that uh, the playoff spot in the uh, in the East. This, I believe, this is the only division where all four teams have clinched, um, as there's a, a pl- plenty big gap between the Islanders and the Rangers. But uh, as of right now, it looks like Pittsburgh, Washington, and Boston uh, will be battling for that first seed. Boston is four points behind Pittsburgh. Washington's two points behind Pittsburgh. So. Uh, right now, Pittsburgh will play New York if it stands the way it is right now, and Washington will play Boston. Um, some very good matchups in that division as well. In the North, we've known Toronto was going to win the division for a very long time, um, but they are still plenty ahead, and uh, if they haven't clinched it already, they are will soon. Um, Edmonton is eight points behind them in second. Winnipeg is a good six points behind them. And then Montreal is two points beyond Winnipeg. So the only real difference here is uh, Winni- Montreal trying to battle to not come in fourth and play Toronto. Um, if they're able to jump Winnipeg here, which Winnipeg's doing their best to lose their playoff position in general, uh, losing a bunch of games in the last couple weeks. If Montreal can jump Winnipeg, they will play Edmonton uh, and Toronto would play Winnipeg. But right now it's Toronto, Montreal, and Edmonton against Winnipeg. Um and then let's look at the Central that we talked about before. So Carolina has clinched the number one overall seed uh, in the Central. They are, um, I believe, close to the, the President's Trophy. Yeah, they're the front runners for the President's Trophy. The closest next team is Vegas, four points behind them. So most likely they will also win the President's Trophy. Hopefully they win both of their next two games, wink, wink. Um, but Tampa Bay is right behind them uh, with... 75 points and Florida with 75 points there as well. The interesting part about this two, three matchup is so obviously two is the home ice team. So it's a big difference between two and three to have home ice advantage, um, even without a full arena. But obviously for them, it's not much travel either way. So it's not as big, but Tampa plays Florida two games in a row to finish the season. Um, on, uh, I don't know which day specifically, I believe it's, uh, Sunday and Tuesday or something like that, but Tampa, Florida. Oh, no, they play tomorrow, actually. So Saturday and Monday, uh, Tampa will play Florida. So that'll decide who gets the two and who gets the three um, in that division. Right now, Nashville's sitting at fourth with 60 points, uh, two games left. And Dallas is right behind them with 58 points and two games left as well. So uh, Dallas or Nashville will play at Carolina. And it'll be an interesting matchup either way. Um, It's kind of funny where Dallas has played Carolina a heck of a lot better than Nashville has this year. Um, they've been really, really good games against Carolina with Dallas and Nashville's 0-5-1 against them. So um, we'll see what happens what happens here. But that's kind of the, the current matchups, you know, that's going on. And there's not a whole lot of races left. The races are pretty much for the only team that's really fighting to get into the playoffs is Dallas, um, as most of the other ones are locked up, if not mathematically, pretty much figuratively they're locked up. 
Um, but the other races are for, you know, the individual spots in those, in those divisions. So excited for the playoffs, excited to see if there's able to have, if they're able to have fans. Uh, I know a couple teams are increasing their fans up to like 35% from, from 25. Uh, so hopefully it gets a little loud and, and we get some craziness in the playoffs, you know, as we're so accustomed to. Uh, last topic here, I want to talk about some awards. Um, so I just want to touch on two awards. We'll jump into more when we get to the end of the of the season um, in a few days here. But the first two I want to talk about, and the reason I'm bringing these two up, obviously Dallas is a big, is a part of two of both of them. But also the let's start with Coach of the Year. So I think the Coach of the Year is going to come from the Central, and I think there's three, three, maybe even four options here. Um, Rob Brindamore from Carolina is the front runner. Obviously, he's done an incredible job with them. Um, has them closing in on a president's trophy. So he's the front runner and probably will win it. Um, but if you also look at the team, so John Hines from Nashville, they were dead in the water, sellers, let's get rid of all our best players, the deadline and rebuild. Um, and then all of a sudden they go on some crazy 15-game streak where they win 12 or 13 of those 15. And right now they are two points away from clinching a playoff spot. Um, so John Hines has done a really, really good job with Nashville and I think that, uh, you know, you have to look at turbulence. You don't always just look at the team that did the best. Carolina has been good from start to finish, and that is great. Nothing against that. Of course, that's amazing. But you also have to look at coaches that had to deal with really, really tough situations. And that is a really tough situation to come back from being absolutely dead in the water um, and making yourself almost a playoff team. Um, we'll just we'll figure out if that is a truth or not soon. Going back right there, if we want to talk about adversity, Rick Bonus from Dallas. I don't know if anyone's dealt with more adversity than Dallas this year. Um, with the the COVID and and the storm, all the injuries, all the up and downs, um, Rick Bonus has dealt with more adversity than I think anybody in the NHL um, in general over the last year or two um, since Montgomery got fired and he had to step into everything they dealt with last year. And... Um, if Dallas is able to be a playoff team, he's a candidate. I don't think he would get it if they don't make the playoffs. That that just doesn't usually happen. Um, but he deserves some props for what he has done. And the fact that people were calling for him to get fired earlier in the year when they were kind of struggling is ridiculous. Um, he is a really, really good coach. The players absolutely love him and love playing for him. So great job by Rick Bonus this year. And let's see if he can push them into a playoff spot. Other options. Um, Jared Bednar from Colorado. They have been a smoking hot team this year. Um, I think it was big for them to to impress and not disappoint this year because of how they finished last year when they everyone had them as the Stanley Cup champion and they ended up losing to Dallas in Game 7 of the second round. And um, if they had come out this year and been a kind of mediocre team, even if they made the playoffs but weren't really a dominant team like they've been, there might be some question marks on coaching and things like that with the with this ridiculous amount of skill that they have. But they have not done that as they are battling for first overall in the in the West and um, should be a really tough team to knock out in the playoffs. So good job, Jared Bednar for Colorado. Um, another one in the Central, Joel Quenville from Florida. A little less similar to, to Carolina, but Florida's been – a surprise team. Um, everyone thought they were going to be pretty good and they had them in the top four for the most part, but I don't think anyone had them possibly being the first seed. Now, of course they won't be, but they were in the first seed for a lot of the season, uh, in that central. And now you're looking for a chance to finish second overall in that division. So, uh, very good job from Florida as well. 
couple other options here, a little more uh, underrated. Mike Sullivan from Pittsburgh, who has been an incredible coach. I think he won both cups with them as well. So um, he's been an incredible coach forever. But the fact that they were not expected to be very good and then weren't very good for the beginning, and they dealt with that adversity and now are first overall, or I keep saying first overall, first in the East um, has been huge for them in Pittsburgh. Sheldon Key from Toronto, very similar to to that situation in Carolina where they have just been dominant from the beginning. Um, I think he should win Coach of the Year. I don't, I don't think playoffs uh, have an, a determination on awards like that, but if they are able to actually make a run in the playoffs, and that means pass two rounds this year, because they'll only play the North for two rounds. So that doesn't doesn't count. They should beat the North. They should very well be the North's team in the Final Four this year. But if they're able to get past and get to the final, um, maybe even win the whole thing, he's got to get some credit as they have been the team, the old Washington Capitals that could never get that final step, uh, best team in the whole league all year, and then couldn't win in the playoffs and they have so much talent i mean it's it's absurd the amount of skill they have on their team um and just haven't been able to get to that next step so we'll see if they can do it this year um in the playoffs and then dean effison evason i don't know how to say his name properly dean effison um from minnesota where the wild were very similar team to uh to pittsburgh where they were they were in the talks to make the playoffs but they were on the edge of the playoffs. And right now they are battling to try to get first in that West Um, and keeping up with teams like Colorado and Vegas, you should be accredited for something like that. So um, another great job by another surprise team in the NHL this year, all options for coach of the year. Again, I think Brendan Moore probably wins it um, with what he's done. Maybe Sheldon Keefe uh, because of how dominant those teams have been all year, but just want to give a shout out to some coaches that have done a really, really good job with their teams this season. Um, the other award that that I'm really interested in talking about is one that's probably also decided, but should be talked about more than it was thought to be. Um, the Calder Trophy, we have K- Kirill Kaprizov, or Kirill Kaprizov, depending on who you're talking to, um, who is a 24-year-old Russian, came in from the KHL. The reason that I get a little upset about this as a star's perspective is because he's 24 years old and he's played pro hockey in the KHL for, for years. So, you know, you look at, um, I, I forget the t- the player who it was, but Madonna, Mike Madonna came into the league as a rookie and he lost out on his, uh, rookie of the year to a like 25 year old player because it's technically their rookie season because of how the NHL looks at rookies. So, um, it should be different, I believe. I believe it should be an age limit or something like that. But it's not a huge difference. 24 and 20, uh, Robertson's 21 or 20. Um, but still, uh, I just want to talk about some some stats here. Obviously, the most thing looked at is points. Goals, points, let's see who's scoring the most. And that is huge, of course. But looking at what they've done for their specific teams and the situations they're in um, and what they mean to their team is really also very important. So, I want to talk about uh, those two players right now. Let's go first with with the leader right now, uh, with Kirill. He has uh, 26 goals, 21 assists for 47 points in 50, 52 games played. Uh, he just put another two home uh, last night or the night before, and uh, which pretty much looks like it sealed the points differential as he leads by four points now in the race uh, over Robertson. 
But I want to start with this. Back in February, even in in March, we thought this was a one-horse race. This was over, running away with it. All of a sudden, Robertson comes out of nowhere. Um, Robertson only played two games in January, uh, which is, you know, a, a big difference between him and, and Kaprizov. I think Kaprizov played eight games in, in January. So Robertson was not in the lineup and was definitely not making a difference when he was in the lineup early. And then all of a sudden, he just struck gold. And in March and April, uh, he has led rookies in scoring in both both months. So let's look at some some key stats here. So a couple more general stats. Uh, Kaprizov is plus 8. Robertson is a plus 14. Um, time on ice looks like Robertson is about almost two full minutes, 16.41 versus 18.13, less than Kaprizov. So he's doing what he's doing in less time. Um Robertson has 0.87 points per game with Kaprizov has 0.86. And then you look at some 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 really key points here. So they both have two game winning goals. So they've both come in clutch winning uh, with game winning goals. Uh Kaprizov is 16% shooting while Robertson is 13%. Big one here um that they're actually very similar. 56.2 on the Corsi 4 percentage which is they, their team controlling the puck more than the other team while they're on the ice. 56.2% for Robertson with a 50.7% for uh, Kaprizov. So a decent difference there. Um, and then you look at the uh, the April and March. So March, uh, Robertson, when Robertson really exploded onto the scene, he had 16 points uh, leading all rookies. Kaprizov only had 11. And then 18 points in April, Kaprizov had 14. So taking away the time, the more games that Kaprizov has played, and this is a, a deadlock. Um, and from what I have seen, and this is a big point that I, you know, wrote down here for Robertson, all but three of his assists this season, and he has 27 of them, have been primary assists, and many of them have been on the game-winning or game-tying goals. So while that's hard to kind of, you know, show in numbers, um, that is a huge stat because that means that not only is he just picking up some points, He's picking up primary assists, and he's picking up primary assists on huge plays uh, for their team. So um, what I've noticed, I, of course, haven't watched Minnesota nearly as much as Dallas, but what I've noticed from Robertson is that he makes a difference in every area of the ice. And um, he he wins a ton of puck battles along the boards. He's a very strong player on the boards, and he is able to see the ice a lot better than a lot of rookies are able to. Kaprizov is a pure scorer. So there's the difference there. Um, he's got some assists, of course, but he's a, he's a big-time scorer. Um, and I think that the, the big difference that gives him more points and I think gives him the, the win in this Calder Trophy race is that he also has a little more free reign. Uh, Minnesota is not the this, this defensive team that Dallas is. They don't play the same systems. Um, he's allowed to kind of be free and create a little bit more than Robertson is. Um and that, you know, gives you more chances, of course, to score goals. Um, there's a reason why Dallas is in the top three to five every year in shots against, goals against, and all these categories. Um, and Robertson's bought into that, and he's he's scoring and getting a p- points on top of what he's doing defensively. So um, while I agree that Kaprizov probably wins this thing because he has been a dominant force all year long, and that, you know, I said that maybe it's a plus for Robertson that, you know, he only played a couple games in January, but that's also could be a plus for Kaprizov that he's been there all year long. He's been a dominant force since day one and um, has helped his team get 
all the way to where they've been. And I don't think they were, they are where they are without him this year. So that'll be a really interesting race. There's some awards that'll be interesting. Um, some are just blown away. Like Connor McDavid is, should just win everything um, as he's almost getting a hundred points in 56 games, which is just the most ridiculous thing I think I've ever heard in my life. Um, I don't think he does that in a regular season without playing the North who maybe isn't the strongest defensively division, but still, what he's done and what some of these players have done this year um, has been, has been very, very impressive. So it'll be interesting to see what awards are given uh, to which players, because there, there's so many ways you can judge it this year, as we've said so many times on this podcast, where, uh, you know, everything you look at has, has an asterisk. The the draft has an asterisk. The playoffs have an asterisk. The, um, the deadline has an asterisk because there's, it's not just the general things. It's all the stuff going into this season with COVID and, all the shutdowns and everything that's going on. So, um, but overall we are closing in. So, uh, looks like that we are one week away from the end of the season. Um, for the most part, all the playoff matchups should be decided by at the latest Thursday. Um, as I think the last game is Vancouver Calgary on Friday, uh, as some of those can- Canadian teams have to make up some ground are they from their late season delays. I mean, uh, postponements, but we're a week away from the end of the season and we are closing in on the playoffs. And next week we'll look more at the specific playoff matchups as we'll have them by the point, by the time I record this. Um, but for now, let's just enjoy this final time. And if you're a fan of a specific team, just enjoy this last weekend to week of, of hockey, whether you're sweating it out like Dallas and Nashville, whether you're cruising like Toronto, just enjoy the time because in the blink of an eye, we didn't have hockey for for three months last year, and um, I just want everyone to really appreciate the the game and really really enjoy your time watching hockey uh, as a fan, coach, player, whatever you are around the game. Just enjoy it, enjoy every second of it, and uh, there'll be plenty of moments for you to remember, just like I shared mine at the beginning of this. So. Um, if you have comments, if you have questions that you want me to go over in the podcast, or if you want to share your own stories, silly stories like mine, uh, listen to NHL radio, then go ahead and tweet at me at Sam Nestler. Um, and, uh, I'd, I'd love to chat with you guys. I'd love to hear stories about how, how the game has influenced you. Um, just looking at this season, you see so many things with, with players congratulating, uh, Marlo on his success players congratulating um, goalies that are retiring players just all these things that you just you just don't see in every sport and hockey's a magical sport and I'm gonna I'm gonna stop sucking up to this sport as much as possible like I said it's late so I'm excited I am uh, I'm a happy kid right now and I hope you guys enjoy this podcast and I will see you next week for the slap shot Sammy podcast <laughs>